The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. It is Steelers week. And because it is Steelers week, it's always a special week, at least on the Bengals calendar. Maybe not for the Steelers themselves, but on the Bengals calendar, at least twice a year, it's a very special week. If you saw the video intro there, we had one half of the Believe in Steelers podcast host dynamic duo and Ike Taylor and now we are joined by the other great half Mark Bergen part of the Believe in Steelers podcast how are you Mark good to be good to be talking with you about the the Bengals versus Steelers week three matchup here Anthony thanks for ha- having me and I think that you perfectly capture the sentiment of where the Bengals stand in the AFC North division <laughs> but hey all four teams standing at one and one right now 500 records there's hope even through two weeks of the 2021 season yeah, one and one gridlock across the division. We, I, I know a lot of people still think the Bengals may be in a little bit of a rebuilding mode or, you know, kind of gearing up for the next couple of years. But this division just remains remains very competitive. And uh, obviously just two weeks in with everybody at one and one that kind of talks about that. Before we get to, you know, what the first couple of weeks, what we've seen from the Steelers and, and a lot of things. And then obviously leading up into week three real quickly, what's a little bit of your background so our listeners know you're teaming up with former Steelers cornerback Ike Taylor on the Believe in, in Steelers podcast. And uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and where people can follow you so we can get some good Steelers info from you. Absolutely. You can find me on social media at MD Bergen. You can see my handle on your screen right now, but I started my broadcast career writing for local TV news stations websites. So I started my career at WBIR in Knoxville, Tennessee, covered Tennessee Volunteers Athletics. So the Butch Jones era of Tennessee Volunteers football and Rick Barnes from a basketball standpoint. I moved within the same company to Tampa, Florida and worked at WTSP, the CBS affiliate there. And for doing that for almost five years, Anthony, I could tell you it was like, you know, I can write a pretty excellent story but how am I going to take my career to the next level so it's like I wanted to start either a podcast or a YouTube show 
long story short, you know, if I didn't have the opportunity to do that there, I was going to seek that elsewhere. So I'm between jobs and I'm looking for work. I apply to this Believe Podcast Network based out in LA. And I think, you know, early on, I'm going to be pitching an NFL or college football show. And the recruiter who was talking to me says, no, 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 we want to have a show for each individual team. And they said, we have a former Steelers player. And I said, who's the, who's the player? And they say, Ike Taylor. So I do a quick cost benefit analysis in my head of all the teams I've covered to that point, dating back to my studies at the university of Missouri, the university of Tennessee and Knoxville. And then we're talking about the pre Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm like, okay, multiple Super Bowl titles player who spent all 12 years of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the fact that Ike has experience as an analyst on the NFL network set up the call. I don't need to hear anything <laughs> less. We've had our show since October of 2019. So this is our third season now doing the Believe in Steelers podcast together. And I'll tell you what, getting to talk to him and getting his insight week in and week out is one of my favorite things that I get to do. So that's kind of been my journey to this point in time. And I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't change anything for it. Well, but the Believe the Believe Podcast Network has been great to us here at Cincy Jungle and, and SB Nation. It's been a, a really cool partnership. Yourself coming on the show, Ike Taylor joined us last year for one of the Steelers games. We had Eric Davis on the Believe in 49ers, Denard Walker from Believe in Titans. So really, really cool guests that we've been able to talk to as well, including yourself, uh, uh, getting a little look over the other side of the fence as the teams get set to, uh, to, to clash here. So, and then of course they... The Believe Network has our friends Daddio and Hoji in the Believe in Bengals podcast as well. So uh, great, great duo there. So uh, we're, we're happy to have you, Mark, talking some Steelers, Bengals. Let's just kind of get into it. The first, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. And to be quite honest with you, I was I was in Cincinnati for the week one game against the Vikings. Uh, I, I watched that game, but I was obviously keeping an eye on the scoreboard um, for the Pittsburgh and Buffalo game. Pittsburgh went into Buffalo and a lot of people who think you know, Buffalo is going to be the one of the AFC championship type of teams this year. They went into Buffalo week one, beat them, and then they dropped the ball next week at home against the Raiders. So what do you what do you make of this one and one start? What have you seen so far from this mixed bag with the Pittsburgh Steelers? So we're at the exact same spot we thought we would be. We just thought the results would be flipped because yeah. Buffalo <laughs> was yeah, right. So Buffalo, the favorite in week one on the road as well. And then you go into Heinz Field with this Raiders team that's now surprisingly 2-0. There's some pretty good skill position players there from an offensive standpoint as well. But with the Steelers... One and one. The big question I have right now is injuries. I know Big Ben and his pectoral muscle injury, which we didn't know about following the week two Raiders game. We found out about that early this week. But then TJ Watt missing most of the week two game with a groin injury. The question I have moving forward is, is will that groin injury impact him beyond the season? Because we're talking about an all pro player who's only missed two games throughout the duration of his five-year career thus far. So you've got a lot of defensive injuries and we'll get into more about some of the struggles of the Steelers running game, but I can't help but think that there's a correlation there in the Steelers lack of ability of running the football and controlling the clock, keeping the defense out on the field longer and longer for longer than they should be out there because they can't establish a running game. So that to me, you've got a young offensive line protecting Big Ben up front is a huge question mark moving forward for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's always surprising to me, at least that storyline this year, because the Pittsburgh Steelers have always had 
a stout offensive line. They have always been able, even with with the great Ben Roethlisberger and, and other great passers in their history, they've always prided themselves on being able to run the football consistently. And, you know, the old grind out the clock at the end of the games I, I, on the Bengals side of things, we have seen that for years and years and years from the Steelers for sure. But what do you, what, what's, what's been seen from Najee Harris, an exciting player, out of college, out of Alabama, first round pick. You you mentioned there's kind of some inconsistencies on the offensive line. What's what's he looking like? And is this is this the next in line of many great Steelers running backs? Well, I certainly hope so, considering that the Steelers spent a first round draft pick on him out of Alabama. He finally got into the end zone in week two. So it was awesome to see what he can do in the open field when he has space. But the big question mark is, can that offensive line create the holes for him to be able to do that? You've got two rookies on this offensive line, Dan Moore Jr. at the left tackle position and Kendrick Green at the center position. Your left guard, Kevin Dotson, is a second-year player. So it's a young line. And then on the, you're still working Zach Banner back from a season-ending injury a year ago. The hope is to get him back in week four against Green Bay. He will not play against the Bengals. So you've got Chooks Okorafor at the right, right tackle position. And the Steelers have struggled because they bring in Matt Canada to replace Randy Feekner as an offensive coordinator, but we're still seeing some of the same struggles of this offense that we saw a year, year ago. If you look at the next-gen stats, Big Ben is getting rid of the ball at 2.41 seconds. Why does this matter? That is the quickest release time of any quarterback through two weeks of the, of the season. So from a defensive standpoint, you know, you go four wides, five wides, you can sit on everything because – from, a, from an upfront standpoint, the Steelers can't block and give Big Ben enough time to be able to have routes developed down the field in the medium to deep passing game. So it, this, the offense becomes very predictable. Anthony, one thing I want to see, and I, I talked about this on my show this morning with my co-host Ike Taylor on the Believe in Steelers podcast. The last time the Steelers ran the ball more times than they threw it in a game, you've got to go to back to week six of last season against the Cleveland Browns. That was an early October game. Again, the last time the Steelers ran the ball more than they threw it, and you saw it was an absolute blowout against Cleveland in that week six game a year ago. I don't know if Big Ben is checking out of the running plays that are called, but establishing the run, it'll be amazing to see what could happen of how many more things that opens up. And even if you struggle early on, what happens in the second, third, and fourth quarters to opposing defenses when they get worn out from trying to stop the run play after play after play. And furthermore, that's going to be even more important as you move along into the season. We know this about the AFC North, how the weather plays a factor in the cold weather teams, how running the football becomes more and more and more important as the weather changes into the winter season. So that's what I'd like to see from the Steelers. And I think they have a great opportunity to do that this week against the Bengals, a Bengals line that has struggled on both sides of the football dating back to last season as well. So it's like, if not now, then when, but they're putting too much onus on big Ben and whether that's big Ben taking the initiative himself in year 18 I would just like to see them not just run the football, but commit to running the ball. That's what I would like to see. Well, Harris seems to be a guy that they have have high hopes for, obviously, and maybe can do a little bit of things in the passing game and obviously running the football like a Le'Veon Bell years ago for the Steelers and many others who have been such great running backs in NFL history that have that have worn the the black and yellow. Let's talk a little Ben Roethlisberger. You mentioned, and we'll get to the other injuries in just a few minutes, but 
You mentioned he's got the left pec injury. There was some some chatter as of Wednesday morning that and, and Tuesday afternoon that uh, you know Coach Tomlin said that you know it's, he's going to be hampered by it. We're going to have to adjust whatever that may mean. But uh, injury is one thing, and what's left in the tank has also been a national storyline for for Big Ben. There, I have always been because I've watched a lot of Steelers football. I've watched a lot of Bengals football. I've always, always, always been subscribing to the idea that you never count the Steelers out. You never count Ben Ben Roethlisberger out until week 17, I guess week 18 now, when the records are fully settled and you can make some playoffs and who doesn't. But what, what do you make of Big Ben? And really the Steelers kind of the national line of the Steelers taking a step back this year as a whole and, and Ben Roethlisberger maybe kind of showing the end of a great career. I'm with you there. Mike Tomlin in year 15 has not had a sub five record as a head Ever. coach. So until Ever. it happens, Ever. it's like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to bet against that. Right. Now, again, right. I go back to the quick release time with Big Ben. And if you look at the traditional sacks, you might say, well, only four sacks through two weeks of the season. That's not that much. He has 16 quarterback hits through two games as well. So again, I look to, can the Steelers get Zach Banner back? And he helped stabilize that line as soon as week four. But it's amazing to me because if you look at the Steelers from a skill position standpoint, they've got some depth at receiver. They've got the two tight ends and Eric Ebron and Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. You've got a first round draft pick in Najee Harris. So to me, to see the struggles of this offense, you've got a pretty stout defense. But if the offense can't even be mediocre to adequate, you're going to hamstring your team long term. But I would say this too in terms of Big Ben. I know there are some people in the Steelers fan base that would say, well, give Mason Rudolph a shot. And, and my counter to that would be this. In the 29th season when Ben injured his elbow, Mason Rudolph comes in. We wouldn't know who Duck Hodges was as a player who's no longer in the NFL, by the way, if Mason Rudolph were the heir apparent to Big Ben. I know Dwayne Haskins is also on this roster as the third stringer right now. You bring him in on a one-year deal to see what he can do. But I've always been of the notion that Big Ben heir apparent is not currently on this roster. It's something I would like to see the Steelers address in the subsequent offseason because, honestly, I thought that they would do that this past offseason and maybe that there was just, you know, at where they picked in the draft, they didn't like anyone from the quarterback position or even in later rounds. But it's been a great career, but we'll see. I mean, I could be retracting my words. Like, this is one thing I always say is I always like kind of measuring the season in quarters because a two-game sample size we might be having an entirely different conversation, say, a week from now or two weeks from now. So I, I want to see more. I want to see that young line gel more together. And again, I go back to why are we having Big Ben in year 18 throw the ball 40, 50 times a game when you just spent a first-round draft pick on Najee Harris? Let's not just run the football. Let's commit to running the football. Even if we don't have success early on in the game, if you run the ball 40 times in a game and you're still only getting two or three yards per carry late in the game, I want to see that because we haven't seen that dating back to early last season when the Steelers had success and when they started 11 and 0. And so it, this team, they've been in kind of a tailspin since dropping five of the last six of the 2020 season. We'll see here one and one thus far headed into week three against the Bengals. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, 
You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talking with Mark Bergen, part of the Believe in Steelers podcast. He is one of the hosts alongside former Steelers defensive back Ike Taylor. Happy to be joining him, talking some Steelers, Bengals, week three, getting caught up with what we've seen from the Pittsburgh Steelers in week two, uh, in weeks one and two as the Bengals get set to go to Heinz Field. It kind of seems you you mentioned the, the wide receivers, the pass catching Weapons, Friar move, you know, you've got Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster is back. Deontay Johnson, who had some struggles last year, um, is back as well. But, uh, you know, still seems to be a talented crew. What are you seeing from that group? Is it, it, it seems, at least from the outside looking in, seems like obviously the talent's there, but there may be a little bit of inconsistency. Maybe that is the offensive line issues that you mentioned, but um, the talent seems to be there. I know a lot of Bengals fans do not like Juju Smith-Schuster, but I still think he is a valuable weapon in that offense. And it almost kind of seems like there's this uh, reconstruction of sorts of like the Plaxico Burris, Heath Miller, Heinz Ward type of type of weaponry that they had in the in the mid 2000s with with these guys they have there. But uh, a little bit of inconsistency in the first couple of weeks from this group. Yeah, the two positions the Steelers know how to draft, the linebacker position and wide receivers, and specifically cold-weather receivers, receivers that are used to playing once the weather changes. Two things to keep in mind, both Juju Smith-Schuster and Eric Ebron, both in contract seasons this year, so they're looking to ball out to be able to get paid if they enter an open market or whether the Steelers want to bring them back. Just given the depth at the receiver position, it could be Juju's last ride and go around with the with the Steelers in the black and gold this season. And then Ebron, I mean, to me, you bring in Pat Fryermuth, and he's kind of the successor there in my eyes. But you still have depth, too, because James Washington, another guy in a contract mm-hmm. season. Deontay Johnson, extremely talented in the open field, but led the league in drops a season ago. So we talk about on this sh- uh, talk about that on my on my show all the time of if he eliminates half the drops this season, when he has the ball in the open field, 
he's very, very elusive and honestly is one of the best playmakers that the Steelers have. And then Chase Claypool looking to build on what was an impressive rookie season when he tied the Steelers rookie record with 11 touchdowns. I mean, think about all the great players that have donned the black and gold through the years. So you want to build on that in year two. So they have some depth at at those positions, but can the offensive line provide Big Ben enough time to let plays develop down the field? And that's been one of the big issues where a lot of people will say, well, Big Ben is cooked. He can't make the deep ball. He can't make the deep throws anymore. But it's like, you know, does he have the protect protection to be able to do that? And, and I feel like a broken record. Keep going back to the offensive line. But the Steelers have spent $12 million on the offensive line total this season, which is lowest in the NFL. Look at teams like hmm, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Cleveland Browns in the division. And it's a completely different story. Cleveland spends $50 million on their offensive line this year. Tampa Bay, $36 million. Even the Ravens, as decimated as they are with injuries thus far this season, double what Pittsburgh spends on the offensive line. So I go back to, you know, you could have all of the great skill position players possible if they're not getting to what they need up front from the big uglies up front controlling the line of scrimmage. What really can you do? And that's been the big question with the Steelers dating back to to last season, really since Big Ben returned to the starting lineup from that elbow injury. Man, it's crazy when you talk about the Steelers' offensive line, the lack of allocated resources, the struggles, the quick release stuff. You're, you're speaking our language here in Bengals Nation, man. I mean, this is the same kind of stuff we're seeing from Joe Burrow and, and all kinds of different issues. And that's also been dating back to last year, if not even before that with the Bengals talking with Mark Bergen, part of the believe in Steelers podcast dynamic duo with he and Ike Taylor going to spend a couple more minutes with him. If you've got a couple more to to spare Mark, appreciate it. Uh, Let's, let's get caught up now as we head into week three, the Bengals are heading to Heinz field. Uh, The Bengals are relatively healthy for the most part. They've had a couple of injury issues. The Steelers on the other hand, at least looking on their injury report, a lot of, a lot of big name players, having injury issues. We mentioned Ben with the, with the pec injury, TJ Watt with a groin injury. Um, there are a myriad of others. I think Joe Hayden and, and others with, with groin injuries. And then Tyson Alu-Alu, a valuable defensive lineman just landed on IR with the broken ankle. Where, where do you see this stuff going in terms of players being able to, to suit? Deontay Johnson had a knee injury as well. I think that he avoided actually a pretty serious one and, and good for him on that. Where do you see these guys in terms of suiting up against the Bengals this week? Some of them seem to be minor. Some of them seem to be just kind of a coin flip, it would seem, as we look in on the outside here. I would expect Big Ben to play. I'll start there. (laughs) Yeah, It seems like you mentioned all the groin injuries. Alex Highsmith, Joe Hayden, and Devin Bush did not play against the Raiders. So to me, it's kind of a question mark there. Uh, We'll see. see. Honestly, we'll see. But I go back to... And maybe this is still early on, but my impression is this Steelers lost time of possession in both week one and week two. So if that defense is out on the field longer than it should be, is there a correlation? I'm not going to say a causation, but is there a correlation there? You mentioned Tyson Alu-Alu, someone who's a, and I, we don't talk about him enough on our podcast, but what he brings from a defensive standpoint, ankle fracture surgery earlier this week. So it looks like he'll be out for the duration of the mm-hmm. season. And Steelers haven't played with Stefan to either. Who's also a key contributor along that defensive line too. So you're talking about like 
almost half your starting defense out, which is crazy. Now, if Watt misses any time or is impacted, at least that's where the offseason signing of Melvin Ingram comes in, a Pro Bowl player for the Chargers, is a comes in on a on a one-year prove-it deal with the Steelers. And then Highsmith entering his second season. The Steelers have a nice little rotation at the outside linebacker position there. But again, I go back to Watt's been relatively healthy throughout the duration of his career. And that's why you see him get a massive contract extension worth up to $112 million. $80 million guaranteed because the best of ability is availability. So that's one thing I'm going to be watching. And then Joe Hayden specifically as well might be the key injury for the Steelers because that's where I think the Bengals do have a pretty decided advantage with what Jamar Chase brings to the table, what Tyler Boyd brings to the table, and then what T Higgins brings to the table as well, because Cam Sutton's opposite Joe Hayden Cam uh, Joe typically plays on the left side and then Cam Sutton's usually on the right-hand side. You know, if if those guys are out and Joe Hayden in a contract year at age 32, wanting to play at that pro bowl level to get that one last contract in his career, if he's out, that's where I think the Bengals could have a key advantage in this game. Now, can you keep Joe Burrow upright considering he's been sacked nine times in two games that remains to be seen, but that's going to be huge, uh, Come Sunday. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, Anthony, as well, Mm -hmm. is Jamar Chase has been outstanding, 22 yards per reception on his seven receptions so far. I know he's buddies with Joe Burrow dating back to their days at LSU, but has there been a sentiment at all among you or other Bengals fans about, okay, we drafted Jamar Chase and we passed up on Panay Sewell out of Oregon? Has that conversation come up yet? You need to go take a look at Bengals Twitter, my friend, and you will see that that conversation comes up quite often. That Look, the thing is, it's not – Jamar Chase is actually, after struggles in the preseason with drops and, and all of that, he has actually come out in these first two games and played very well. There's been one drop, which was last week, but he he had another corner up from the Bears beat down the left sideline for a deep ball that Joe Burrow missed, and then two, three plays later, he hit him on a 42-yard touchdown First week had a big 50-yard touchdown catch, caught basically everything he could. There was no drop issues in the first one, had five catches. Um, I believe he won Pepsi Rookie of the Week. So, I mean, really the first two weeks, Jamar Chase has come as advertised, at least in April, not as advertised in August type of type of thing. Now, <laughs> the issue, I think, Mark, where where uh, we wouldn't be having this Panay Sewell type of conversation is what the Bengals did with their second-round pick. And they picked Jackson Carmen, the offensive lineman out of Clemson. And he, after giving him a shot at right guard, uh, is, is now the backup. Now, their, their starting guard, Xavier Suofilo, is having a leg injury this week. So you may see Jackson Carmen start this week. We're going to see how things play out throughout the week at practice. Uh, Xavier Suofilo is day-to-day at this point. But if Jackson Carmen was coming in here as a second-round pick, starting, playing okay, and some of these hits, these sacks, all of those sort of things weren't as prevalent, I think we'd be having a much different conversation because, unfortunately, some of the issues, most of the issues on the offensive line seem to be stemming from the center and the right guard spots currently, and the Bengals' inability to pick up free blitzers, extra blitzers, and or identify stunts, that sort of thing. Um, So a lot of the stuff is kind of on the interior of the offensive line, though no player on the offensive line is really immune to criticism. I think that's really the thing. If the Bengals were were immediately hitting on Jackson Carmen and he was in there starting playing okay, there wouldn't be this outcry or this rehashing of the debate between 
Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell. But, you know, credit, credit Chase. He had a really, really tough summer. And he's come out in these first two games and played overall really well. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think that's one of the areas where the Bengals have an advantage. But where the Steelers have an advantage is along the lines. And you're talking about a defense that finished dead last in the NFL with just 17 sacks a year ago. And then I look at, again, the protection of Joe Burrow, nine sacks through two weeks. It's like, and that's where Steelers led the league in sacks a year ago with 56. TJ Watt led the league with 15 overall, also led the league in tackles for loss. So he's not just a pass rusher, very disruptive in the in the backfield as well. So a little bit of a contrast in styles, but to me, really the big question is, like you asked me earlier, we're recording this early Wednesday afternoon, which Steelers actually suit up Sunday is a huge question mark. And honestly, we might not know the answer to that until we get closer and closer to that 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Right. Talking with Mark Bergen, one of the great hosts of the Believe in Steelers podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. They've been so kind with giving us all kinds of great guests, including Mark. And uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping things up here a little bit. One thing I wanted to ask you before we kind of get into keys to the game, predictions, that sort of thing. Uh, the Bengals have recently, uh, this offseason and really in season, have picked up two former Steelers defensive backs, Mike Hilton and Sean Davis. Hilton has seemed to be a really good addition to this team, playing a lot of snaps. Uh, Sean Davis is kind of a little bit of an emergency pickup because the Bengals lost Ricardo Allen to short-term IR. Allen played well in the first game, just got hurt in it, and so Davis has now stepped in. What can you tell us just from your side of things about those two players and what they could bring to the Bengals, particularly from a successful Steelers franchise? You're trying to break my heart here, aren't you, Anthony? I like Mike Hilton. I'm not going to lie. I like Mike Hilton a lot. <laughs> My co-host Ike Taylor and I advocated last year that Mike Hilton should be in the Pro Bowl. We thought he <clears> played <throat> that well at the nickelback position. and We thought he was one of the Steelers' best defensive players a year ago. I mean, I'd put in some order Cam Hayward, TJ Watt in that mix, and Mike Hilton's right there. I mean, Minka as well, but then Mike Hilton's right there. Just what he's able to do both in coverage, but then also stopping the run. He's Really stout if you need to put him in the box. If there are three receivers on the field, you bring in a nickel package, five defensive backs on the field, and you drop a linebacker. It was really sad to see him go, but was happy to see that he got paid for what he was able to do and the abilities that he brings to the table because he's not the tallest guy in the world, but he flies around and makes plays. And only has two tackles for a loss thus far through two games for the Bengals this season. Still looking for his first sack and his first interception, but this was a key defensive playmaker for the Steelers and maybe more importantly what those two players bring in the offseason addition is they're going to know what the Steelers are going to run they're going to know Big Ben's checks they're going to know what this offense is doing a lot of times and they're going to be able to relay that onto the their Bengals teammates so that's something I have my eye on during this weekend's game is kind of the chess match that Mike Hilton brings to the table but I miss him in the black and gold flying around. He he was one of my favorite players these last two years because he just made plays time and time and time again, both in coverage and from a stopping the run standpoint. It's not something you'd expect for a player of his stature, but he he was everywhere. I was happy to see that he got paid though. And uh, again, now at an AFC North division opponent too. It, it you're trying to break my heart here, Anthony. Uh, not trying to do that. Just just wanted to get a little perspective and and. Here we are. I said, you know, can you give me 10 or 15 minutes? And here we are almost at 30. So, uh, you know, I appreciate the immense amount of time you've given us here, Mark. Quickly, what, 
you know, what are some of the facets of the Bengals that actually scare you this week in terms of uh, the, them going up against the Steelers? You mentioned some of the wide receiver weapons and whatnot. Um, is that wh- maybe where this game could be won or lost? You talked about the trenches. The Bengals' defensive line, though, had some struggles last year. The the interior of the offensive line and really across it has has played improved football. I don't know if you would call them necessarily world beaters at this point in time, but uh, what are some of the areas, I guess, as you cover the Steelers, looking at the Bengals coming to Heinz Field, what what maybe scares you in this matchup if you're the Steelers? If you look statistically, the defense does look better. I haven't watched as much Bengals football as you have, Anthony, but one guy we haven't mentioned from an offensive standpoint is Joe Mixon, who's as steady as they come from the running back position. So I go back to being able to control possession, control uh, time of possession, control the clock. That's someone, and especially if the Steelers' defense is decimated with injuries, to where, yeah, you've got a, a market advantage outside, almost doing what the Steelers do offensively of getting the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands into the into the hands of his playmakers. But they're able to establish the ground game with Joe Mixon. He he's a player at the running back position. I don't think is talked about nearly enough in the NFL, and he puts up numbers year after year after year after year. And if I'm Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon's like my, my best friend because he's just been Mr. Reliable for this Bengals team. So that's also what scares me is, you know, you've got your hands full on the outside with all the Ferraris and, and you know, uh, Maseratis and what have you at, at the talent at the, the receiver position. But Joe Mixon is as good as there comes from the running back position in the NFL. So even if the Steelers are healthy, they're going to have their hands full stopping this Bengals offense. That's that's yet another facet that I'll be watching on Sunday. Well, the Bengals need to utilize a little bit, play action more effectively this week, and then they also need to utilize maybe a couple more screen passes to Joe Mixon. That was something that was prevalent in week one and was successful. They didn't use it as much in week two, and obviously the results were different. Um, talking with Mark Bergen, we're going to close up here in just a second. He is one of the great hosts of the Believe in Steelers podcast. What do you have for a prediction for us in this one? Um, I I would like to say that I, I think the Bengals can, can win this game. I think they can win this game. I think it's always tough going into Pittsburgh. I think this is just one of those things that it's almost more mental than physical at this point with, with the Bengals going against the Steelers. Um, I think this is probably one of their better chances to take advantage of a more – vulnerable team a Steelers team than we've seen in the past but that like I said I never count this team out so what do you make of this matchup coming up in week three okay so you're at Heinz Field for a second consecutive week you lose the home opener to the Raiders and I looked ahead at the schedule I've got the Steelers winning this game 24 to 17 over the Bengals because when I look at week four you go into Green Bay at Lambeau Field and take on the Packers. And Green Bay looked heck of a lot better in week two than they did when they got walloped by the Saints in week one. So to me, I know every game is a must-win game in the NFL. But if the Steelers lose in week three to the Bengals, you're talking about the possibility of starting the season one in three, which puts you in a huge hole. So I think the Steelers just need it. I think they need this game more. I will say this, though, too. A lot of this is incumbent upon which players play on Sunday, which we might know a little bit more later this week. But for a lot of the players that we mentioned that are injured, we might not know until this game actually gets underway on Sunday afternoon. Again, I've got the Steelers 24, 
Bengals 17 in week three. Well, should be a good one regardless, and I don't blame you for going that route. I think there are a lot of folks that would probably agree with you to some extent uh, on that result, but we will see. Should be a good one on Sunday. Mark, where can people find your material, your podcast, everything you do out there? We want our listeners to follow you to get some great Steelers content. I appreciate that, Anthony. You can find me on social media at MD Bergen, M-D-B-E-R-G-I-N, the Believe in Steelers podcast, B-L-E-A-V. Uh, if you type in Steelers podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, we are on YouTube, we are on Facebook, we stream on Twitter. So pretty much anywhere you would go, any platform you would go to get and to watch great video content. Uh, if you want to listen, you can do that on whatever your preferred listening platform is too. Anthony, I really appreciate your time this afternoon, but just type in Steelers podcast, it'll pop up. It's got my co-host Ike Taylor's name. It's got my name, Mark Bergen on it. You can find us there, but really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show this afternoon. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Like I said, I think I was like, hey, you got 10 or 15 minutes and here we are. Now we're closing in on 35. So I, I hope I didn't uh, cram up your schedule too much. This was awesome, awesome stuff, though. And uh, I look forward to Sunday. I look forward to following you guys. And uh, hopefully we can catch up on the rematch coming up here. But our thanks to you, our thanks to the, the great folks, Cam and others at the Believe Podcast Network. They have been great to us at SB Nation and, and our podcasts. I know, you know, Daddy O and Hoji do good stuff. You guys do great stuff. And, and we've had a lot of great guests, courtesy of Believe. So thank you for your time, Mark. Appreciate it, Anthony. All right. Enjoy the weekend. Take it easy.